Welcome to the Two Girls, One Puck podcast. Today being brought to you by... I don't know. What are we brought to? Oh my gosh. By the Ridiculous Pets. Ridiculous Pets. Uh, the arbitrary time experience known as 2016 is over. It is day two of 2017. And so far we are off to a eh, mediocre start. But <laughs> here we are recording. You know, everyone keeps saying that they hope that it'll be better. And I felt that way. And then I thought, oh, right. Trump. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. Yeah. It puts a damper yeah. on, on my attempt everything. to have a better year. Puts a damper on my everything. Well, yeah, that too. We are going to talk about a million different things today. We're talking about uh, Cindy Crosby. We're talking about why are men so awful. Uh, there's a whole lot of why are men so awful in the form of Patrick Kane, in the form of random people on the internet, in the form of Bobby Hull. We're talking a little bit about what's going on in Columbus and in Colorado. Then we're going to talk some women's hockey and transition a little bit into uh, Steve Downey and his tweet scapade. Yeah, his Twitter, he went on a Twitter rampage, I think. Let's, he was throwing some serious tweet bombs the other day. So, Emily, start us off with your bargument. With my, with my bargument? So, I was, I was at the bar the other night. This is, so, I, I ended up getting into an argument with a bunch of guys because they were showing highlights from the Penguins 50th anniversary documentary and uh, somebody was shit-talking Sidney Crosby and as we all know that's pretty much guaranteed to get Emily into a bar fight. I made some catty comment and followed it up with and I probably know more hockey than everyone at your table combined which funnily enough didn't go over well. They were quizzing me on random old hockey statistics and I just wasn't having it at which point they then tried to in- insist that Max Pacioretty is a Canadian, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is not true. He is most certainly he is most certainly an American, and I know that because he played for Team USA in the last two Olympics. <laughs> and I think I followed that up with, and this is why I said I know more about hockey than you do, because at least I know what country Max Pacioretty is from. I know he plays for the Canadians, but that doesn't mean he is a Canadian. It's, I, I, I can see how you got confused. And then they proceeded to start arguing with me about why Patrick Kane is better than Sidney Crosby and why they would rather have Sidney Crosby, or rather rather have Patrick Kane on their team than have Sidney Crosby on their team. And, and I don't like Patrick Kane. Head. Yeah, it's, I, can't, it's, I, I, I can't fucking stand Patrick Kane. Personally, like to take um, the business end of a baseball bat to his kneecaps. It recently came to my attention, uh, courtesy of a tweet from the NHL, that uh, Patrick Kane scored uh, his 700th point recently in only 696 games. And as I was still annoyed about these fuckwits at the bar talking about how Kane is better than Crosby, I went and looked up Crosby's career statistics just to, just to see what they were, to see if I could make myself feel better, because I was pretty sure that Sid had played a fairly comparable number of games to Kane. I was correct. Uh, Sid has uh, had at that point played 738 games. I think they've played one or two games since then, so it would be 739. Um, and at the time, had 980 points in those 738 games. So for that guy at the bar the other night who said that Patrick Kane was better, uh, I see a 40-game difference and a 280-point difference. 
So I mean, there uh, is the argument, of course, that that Kane is a goal scorer less than uh, a playmaker. A, a playmaker. So he's going to get fewer. You're not going to get score as many goals if the people around you aren't helping you. Although Sidney Crosby is trying to prove that wrong. Yeah, he's he's trying he's trying real hard. People are now complaining um, that his uh, assists uh, talking about how his assist numbers are down, and it's like, well, it's because he's busy scoring all the goals. Anyway, that's my that's that's today's message on why Sidney Crosby is pretty good at hockey. And then of course you have Genny Malkin overtook him in the point scoring race. So let's not forget about the physics defying Russian that also plays for the Pittsburgh Penguins. My feelings of hatred towards the male hockey fan species were f- further inflamed. A couple of days later, when I was on Twitter, and Saskia Stewart, who is the director of communications and media for the CWHL, uh, a wonderful human being, as far as I can tell, posted on on Twitter, and it was asking if any women that, uh, if anybody that sh- that followed her would be interested in a curated newsletter about uh, about women's women's hockey and, and sports, women in sports media. And there were a lot of, you know, replies to it. It's like, oh my gosh, yes, that sounds great. Thanks, Sasky. You know, I've missed having curated newsletters coming out. And then there was one guy from Ontario at the bottom that said, <laughs> sports is for everyone. And I just... It's like the all lives matter of sports. It is. And I was just so annoyed. I was like, man... You're right. That- it's also for women. It's also, so we want a women's newsletter. Uh, I just why are why are men like this? Why are men why are men like this? Oh, yeah. I well the patriarchy. Ah yes. That that's a reason. Cue the gif of uh, Isma from Emperor's Groove saying to smash it with a hammer. <laughs> um, speaking of. Why are men so horrible? Bobby Hull. Bobby Hull. Oh, Bobby. This is this is recent, and I'm I'm mad about this today because I was watching. I was on I was on Twitter, and NHL was NHL was posting about how uh, Bobby Hull and Brett Hall had a joyous reunion on ice to drop the ceremonial puck for the start of the Winter Classic today. And while I'm sure for a lot of people that was a really nice father-son moment, I think it's important that we take time to remember that Bobby Hull is a despicable human being. Uh, he is well-known for his issues with domestic violence. So so well-known, in fact, that um, Brett Hull has, has publicly come out and spoken about how his father ignored him as a child, and his daughter, Michelle, has said that the reason she became a lawyer for victims of domestic violence and domestic abuse was because of the way her father treated her mother. Well, and it, and it was like a well-known secret at the time, too. Everyone knew that Bobby Hull beat his wife. And wives. Wives, you're right. He did have multiple of them. Um, Um, And people just didn't talk about it. Just didn't didn't talk about it. And I really think it was sort of, um, you know, I, I give the Hawks a lot of flack for the Patrick Kane thing. And I feel like that's justified. And, you know, sometimes 
they do things to make me feel better about them. And then, and then stuff like this happens. And Chicago Blackhawks, please stop using Bobby Hall as a face for your organization. Like I would still have problems, but I would, I would feel a little bit differently if, say, Bobby Hall had like come out talking about how horrible his behavior was and how he's like started an organization for helping men learn not to perpetuate domestic violence. But like he has never said anything. He has never express any sort of regret and does not has not shown me any evidence that he's changed and so it's just really difficult and i mean beyond that we we know that he openly approved of hitler he's made incredibly anti-semitic comments and when he was asked to to explain what he said he he like doubled down he 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 had said that hitler had some good ideas he just went a little too far i just find it really despicable and i wish that i could figure out how we can hold the hawks accountable and hold the nhl accountable because you know it's not the blackhawks doing this alone like the nhl is also oh yeah um, no the nhl is also lifting up bobby hall pretty responsible so maybe stop doing that so that was was just one more thing to horrify me today 2017 year of the war on, on old white dudes well it's hard too because like now we have a president-elect who's made not completely dissimilar comments right right and openly suggested that we should be starting a nuclear arms race but let's not talk about that because this is a hockey podcast <laughs> Uh, speaking of hockey, the Columbus Blue Jackets are on a 15-game win streak. Let me just let me just repeat that for those of you at home who have not been paying attention to the NHL so far this season. The Columbus Blue Jackets are on a 15-game win streak. That's one five <laughs> one, for the crowd. One five. <laughs> one five for those those playing along. Uh, and that that's partially to do with. Uh, some some Vesna level goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky. That's that's partially to do with, from what I can tell, a fairly unsustainable uh, yeah. <laughs> shooting percentage. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's mighty familiar to me and to anyone who was watching the Colorado Avalanche in 2013-14. And the same thing's going to happen, where everyone's going to talk about how great John Tortorella was as a coach, just like yeah. he did it with Patrick Roy. And guess what? He's not a good coach. Nope. I really no, I think, don't think this is his coaching, especially if you think about the fact that it's primarily the goaltending that's been helping them. Mm-hmm. And um, guess who young, coaches goaltenders? Bully coaches. <laughs> well, and and young rookies like Zach Wierenski, yeah, who was having an incredible season. My goodness. Uh, I will say that next week, if they've they've got home game, they've got games against the Oilers, the Capitals, and the Rangers, um, and they could potentially break the NHL's all-time record for win streak. Which is totally insane. I mean, it has to be lovely. Columbus deserves good things, I think. Well, Columbus deserves good things. I'm not. I'm not so sure yeah. about John Tortorella deserving good things. Oh no. no but um, and or Brandon Dubinsky. Anyway. I don't. I, think I don't, I don't like, know what you're referencing. That's fine. He just, you know, kicked Evgeny Malkin to the face with the skate a few years ago, Ooh. and some other things. He's, it's yeah, dangerous. he he's he's one of those guys who who tries to kill Sid, you know, with cross checks to the back of the neck. He's not my favorite person. Yeah, um, that makes sense. He's not my least favorite person, uh, Patrick Kane, but he's not my he's not my favorite person either. Uh, so anyway, congrats to Columbus. 
Oh, uh, let's, so let's congrats let's... to the Columbus players, except for Dubinsky. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds covered. good. Get it, get it, get covered. Um, so I mentioned the 2013-2014 Avalanche, and and that that season seems like a distant dream. <laughs> I'm um, in a little trouble. The Avs, the Avs are so bad right now that it causes me legitimate physical pain to watch them play uh, hockey. I think a piece if, of it too is that if we want to call it hockey, they're the collection of players should not be that terrible. I'm not saying they have an amazing team. Well, they don't have any defense. Yeah. But, except, is Tyson Berry? Tyson Berry, yeah, yeah. Tyson Berry. And he's, he's, um... He's trying. He's, he's from the school of Eric Carlson, Chris Letang, P.K. Subban. Oh, where he likes scoring? Right, right. Which um, is not what you also mean imply when you have no other... That would also imply that he was is as good of a defenseman as those three, and he is not. Uh, <laughs> he is, like, second pair on a, on a, like, a regular day. <laughs> um, you wanted to talk about some locker room issues, right? It has come to my attention that there are, uh, there is tension uh, in... <laughs> in the avalanche locker room that has resulted in multiple physical altercations what between the players I, what mm-hmm. in Most... case you couldn't tell i made emily not tell me what this was about yeah so you can understand why i was not sure that i wanted to talk about it um and, and do you know for a fact this has happened is this i this is this is not rumored that i know for a fact this okay. is that this is that this is happening um and that it has mostly involved nate mckinnon um who from my from my understanding um there are a number of players on the avalanche who uh are not perhaps taking the season as seriously as they could be mm. From what I understand, and that other members of the team, most specifically Nate McKinnon, who, for those of you who don't know, was the 2013 first overall pick for the Avs. He's kind of a good uh, player. He's he's really good, actually. <laughs> it's unfortunate that he's on such a bad team because he's really, really good at hockey. So uh, he's been he getting has, really frustrated with them? He has taken some exception with multiple players. Um, this has led into, I know that Cody McLeod has come out and said that he is willing to be traded. Uh, there are rumors that Jerome McGinley has done the same thing, which frankly, at this point, good for Jerome. Yeah. Why don't you go on back to Pittsburgh, <laughs> Jerome? Um, I mean, they, they, don't, so well. they don't, they don't really need you, but then you can be on a cup winning team. Knock on wood. Um, uh, yeah, the, the abs are, the abs are like painfully bad. Like I, I, I went well, to a game for my well, birthday guess- and it was, me listening to this having not really followed the avalanche beyond knowing that they're doing Mm. terribly i would wonder what are some things you think need to change obviously Uh, having you're having to choose a coach from a minimal pool in august in august yeah um but i wonder what else no, and I think not having players like Matt Shane and Gabe Landeskog uh, uh, around for most of the preseason and training camp was probably difficult. Um, you know, 
coach Jared Bednar has had a really tough first NHL season. Oh, and- I didn't even I didn't even put together the fact that because of the World Cup of Hockey, they yeah. weren't getting to get to know their coach. Yeah, so they were they these guys didn't have basically Gabe and Gabe and Matt didn't have a chance uh, to get to know their coach at all before the season started. There have been, there have been a lot there are a lot of excuses that the Avalanche could be and probably are making to themselves these days. However, it fundamentally remains that they are just fucking terrible. Um, on it defense, is particularly. Particularly Whoa. on particularly. defense. Didn't say that word right. <laughs> um, they have had some success in net with Calvin Pickard. Um, he's been great. Semyon Valamov, of course, injured his groin again. That is never not going to be funny to me. I'm sorry. It's, Mostly because we don't like him mostly because we don't like him and uh unfortunately i have i i understand uh where steve dangle has been coming from the last few years i think with jonathan bernier in that i just want varlamov to play well enough that we can trade his six million dollar contract that he's under for another two seasons three seasons so that's that's great um eric johnson's injured i believe it's you know it it's they're they're just painfully bad um trade issues uh, i know there had been there had been rumors about players getting traded of course there were rumors about matt duchene getting traded at the deadline last year um there are always rumors i think about matt duchene getting traded uh and they are continuing um apparently gms that have and this is according to elliot friedman so this is this is real this is this is actual this is official uh uh, the Avs have told people not to ask about Nate McKinnon and first-round first, first round pick from last year, uh, Miko Rantanen, uh, but that pretty much everyone else is up for a fair game, although they they have stressed that they are looking, like, you know, they, they don't want a second overall, a uh, second-round pick for Gabe Landeskog. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, they need, right. they need good young defensemen. So, Jacob Truba. Uh Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, it's hard though because that's what most teams need. Mm-hmm. Right-handed young defensemen. Most, or just good defensemen. <laughs> or just good defensemen. But yeah, <laughs> it's just hard because that's what seems to be um, limited right now. Speaking and in of high good demand. De- <laughs> Speaking of good defensemen, Justin Schultz is like a league leader for the month of December for points, which is crazy to me. Anyway, how's that taste? Or or space? proof that Edmonton destroys Sorry. souls? Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Sorry, Connor McDavid. Um, we'll see you on Toronto in 2020. Uh, <laughs> Austin and Connor. That would be great, I think. Well, we got to see it. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, oh can we see it again? Guys. It was so, so much fun to watch those guys play. No right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition us to talking a little bit about women's hockey. We've been talking way too much about men for two people who don't really like men. Uh, yeah, facts. <laughs> two people who aren't and do not like. <laughs> Um, there's been a lot happening, particularly with the NWHL. I will admit that I haven't, other than the international exhibition games, I haven't heard much about other players. Do you want to talk a little about the exhibition games? I didn't get to see it. Um, I, I was really excited to find out that they were actually as part of NBC sports, um, attempt to talk about the Olympics in more than just the two years that they happened. They're doing um, Olympic-y things uh, randomly all over all over town. So there were uh, two games played 
uh, one in the U.S. and one in Canada, between the U.S. and Canadian women's national teams, um, just just international friendlies. Um, Canada won both, I believe, which was disappointing. Uh, but it was on. It was featured on NBC Sports, like in the middle of a weekend. Like it was. I mean, not you know, not a primetime game, but. I but mean, that's still amazing. It that was, it was it on was an incredible. accessible network. On, on an yeah, like on a, on an accessible network, it was really well done. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch. The commentary was great. Um, I really, really enjoyed it and was really, really excited to see that happening. So was well it, done, NBC Sports. Was it regular NBC Sports style camera? Mm -hmm. That's yeah, nice. It was, that's the one thing I find really hard. I watch a, I watch every single game of women CWHL and NWHL, mm -hmm. and that's what's really hard. Is like it's it's not in HD. Right. And um, it's a lot harder to watch. They only they usually only have one, maybe two cameras. Uh, they don't really change angles at all, so you're seeing it from sort of a a wide view the whole time. In the beginning of this season, there were some problems with the autofocus on the camera with the NWHL getting caught on the nets because two, I think, of the new rinks that they're using have you know nets blocking the fans mm, mm -hmm. and so, above, above the boards right but it's around the whole side oh jeepers and so um and the camera is on that same side so the cameras were kept were auto focusing on like the cross hatching oh and and then they'd have to sort of fix it so that was a problem that happened that i they've mostly seemed to fix but mm -hmm. it's still you're looking at it through like all these levels and it's not high def and it's just difficult um so that's exciting to hear too yeah yeah uh it was it was a really it was really well done i was really excited to see it and i hope that they do more of it yeah um less fun things in less women's hockey things. the salary cut update so as mm -hmm. as you all know now and whl have the salaries for their players um, since then, I only know three, there may have been more, but at least three players have left the NWHL, explicitly citing the salary and how the NWHL dealt with the cuts as their reason for leaving. So Morgan Fritz Ward from the New York Rangers was the first, and she officially retired from hockey to go to nursing school. Uh, Ivana Bilic, who was a Connecticut whale player, left. She left... I put future uncertain. We don't know. Um, she's not playing anywhere else right now. And I don't think that we learned what she was leaving to do, just that, you know, she couldn't afford to stay or was frustrated by the league, which I get. Molly Angstrom, though, uh, is sort of the, kind of the biggest deal of them all because she was the Connecticut Whale captain this season and she announced that she was leaving because she didn't like how the NWHL dealt with the players. And she is now playing with a Swedish league instead. So at least she's still playing hockey. You'll still get to see her. Just not with the NWHL. In, in an attempt to mitigate some of the salary issues, uh, the NWHL did announce on... Um, in late December that they are creating a new player bonus structure and they're basing it off game attendance. So uh, players will now receive 100% of the ticket revenue after the initial 500 tickets are sold for each game. This 
piece I'm a little bit confused. If a game pays... Ugh. If a game draws a paid attendance of 1,000 fans, the members of the home and away teams will split the revenue of the additional 500 tickets. What hasn't been stated is I'm assuming that means that if you don't reach 1,000 fans, then it's just the home team that gets the tickets. Is that what that means? I thought they were splitting everything 50-50. That's what I assumed, the home but team. this like, explicitly says differently. Anyway... Anyway, I, look at that. Something, an NWHL policy is very confusing. Perhaps really worded. But um, it is a lot of problems with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, on the one hand, yes, we want our players to be paid better, and especially after, after losing so much of their salaries that were expected, it's nice to have a way to help. However, they have to sell 500 tickets at a game before the players receive any of the revenue. And the Isn't it rank, just any more of the revenue? Because they already get a share of the revenue? Before they receive 100% of the revenue. Right. Yes. Okay. However, the Riveters play at the Devil's Practice Facility that has a capacity of 600. The uh, Pride play at the Warrior Ice Arena, which seats 660. So those two teams don't really have the ability to make a whole lot more above 500. No. Like they're, they don't have capacity and there are, attendance is down. So it's making it a sort of weird relationship between league and fans where now it's becoming that the players aren't being paid because of the fans. Like it puts the onus off of the league. Right. No, I, and I think that's probably my biggest problem with it is that it's making it's making the attendance issue the player's fault. Right. And that is not accurate or fair. Right. Uh, um, however, if you want to help out some teams, recommend going to a whale game or a Buttes game because the whales seat twelve hundred and the Buttes seat eighteen hundred. So. They can fit. We gotta gotta sell out those Buffalo Buttes games, kids. Luckily, right. Buffalo Bring your has entire company. Yeah, everyone you know and all of their friends and family. Well, at least at least Buffalo's got a good hockey culture, and I think yeah. since the Sabers are not great, that the Buttes are probably benefiting from that. Um, especially because they're having a pretty good season, I think. Um, I mean, it's again Boston, about like miles ahead of everyone else. But that's Brianna Decker is a beast. Uh, no, that's more like almost every single Olympic player was put on one team. At yeah. some point in time, I feel like the NWHL needs to address parity because right? it's not really fun to watch a league where you know who's going to win and you know that they're going to like cream the other teams. Yes, that is. But that maybe is they should first true. deal with you know their horrible finances. True. Um, now that we've bashed on the NWHL for a few minutes, let's talk about some things that they have done well recently. <laughs> um, yet again, I'm not going to be talking super positively, but you go first. Uh, I mean, okay, well, no, let's hear. Let's no, let's you go hear. first. No, Bring it's, up I, what we're talking about. Okay. Um, so the NWHL has officially uh, released a transgender policy, um, which is 
pretty important for them as they have the first openly transgender professional athlete uh, in the war in North America at the very least um, on their team. And it's Buffalo Buttes. And it's Harrison Brown, in case you had uh, missed Harrison talking about it. Apparently, he was the first trans athlete in professional team sports. Professional team sports. Okay, thank you That's for the world. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Um, way to go, Harrison. First of all, you're a, you're a badass in general. Um, and so, so the NWHL kind of had to make a policy about this because, of course, now they have someone playing for a women's hockey league who identifies as a man. And you know, I am of the, of the school of thought that gender is fluid and what have you, but it was something that needed to be addressed. Um, it was written in partnership with, you can play with input from the national center for lesbian rights. Um, and I will read the, the purpose here. Uh, the NWHL recognizes all forms of gender expression. Therefore the NWHL supports athletes choosing to express their gender beyond the binary of female and male. The NWHL will use the eligibility guidelines set out in this policy in order to ensure a fair and level playing field for all participants. So now that I've said the slightly nice things, Cleo, should we address the slightly less nice things? Yeah. So, for a policy that states its purpose as as uh, <laughs> acknowledging non-binary identities it seems pretty focused on the binary to me when you when you actually read the details of the policy it's theoretically inclusive of trans men and trans women but it's actually much more inclusive of trans men and not so great if you're a trans woman like to me the way it ends up reading is like it's fine if you're trans as long as your hormone levels are that of a cis woman like that's not very beyond the binary so it says that uh athletes cannot take testosterone hormone therapy reason being that i mean they don't say this but the reason being that uh testosterone is considered a performance enhancing drug well Mm -hmm. that's a little bit troubling because like if you are transitioning and want to be able to take testosterone, I feel like you should be able to. Um, and then if you transition from male to female, you have to, it says, here are the, some of the conditions. Uh, you have to have declared that your ident- gender identity is female and you can't have changed that for a minimum of four years. You have to demonstrate that your testosterone level in serum is within, and I quote, typical limits of women athletes. Your total testosterone level in serum must remain in the, quote, typical range of women athletes throughout the period of desired eligibility to compete in the female category. And you have to um, get tested regularly to monitor this information. And if you are non-compliant, your eligibility in the league is suspended for 12 months. Like, I, I just feel like it's ultimately not a very inclusive policy for something that's been touted as this amazing leap forward in sports. Yeah, I think it, it sounds a lot to me like the policy that the IOC has in place. Um, 
which is to say it's not a great one. Like obviously I, it's a step forward and I'm not denying that. And I think having a step forward is better than no step at all. But I just really, I, I just have a lot of problems with it. And I find it really odd that they got counsel from the National Center for Lesbian Rights and n- not also an organization specifically for, for and run by trans people. Yeah, that would, that would, seems like it would make sense. Yeah, I just have problems with it. Understandably. I wish I could say more positive things, but I just find it really frustrating. It's not, to me, it's not very inclusive. Oh, I, I guess I can't, can't disagree with you on that. Um, yeah. So we had kind of intended for the women's hockey bit to be the slightly more cheerful portion of the podcast, but apparently it was just not in the cards this month. Um, maybe we don't get that here. Women's Hockey on NBC Sportsnet. Yay, NBC Sports. Yay. Well, Sportsnet Sportsnet plays women's hockey fairly regularly. It was just a big deal to get it on an American network, Um, a popular American network at that. Speaking of things shown on popular American networks and the hilarious rules that they follow, uh, the NHL has officially made a John Scott rule for the All-Star game. Uh, I got a giggle out of this, and apparently so did John Scott. Uh, it was, uh, it essentially comes down to that uh, they don't, they don't want, if, for those of you who don't remember the All-Star game from last year, John Scott was, by a ballot-stuffing fan vote, made the captain of the Pacific Division, uh, at which point... He was summarily traded to the Montreal Canadiens and sent down to uh, the St. John's Ice Caps while his wife was seven months pregnant with twins. So well done, NHL and Arizona Coyotes. Um, I'm going to hate on you more in a little bit. Uh, the official the official rule... I believe it's that... Uh, you're disqualified from being named captain if you are injured or if you were sent down to the American Hockey League. Yes, thank you. And so John Scott obviously would be an example of this because when he was traded to Montreal, they sent him to their AHL affiliate. Immediately. Um, Putting him on the opposite side of the planet, well, not quite the planet, but certainly the opposite side of the continent, from his wife and children. Very nice. Of everyone, super proud of you, NHL. Hashtag why are men like this? Except for John Scott. John Scott is great. In, when he's off the ice. Oh yes, off the ice. No, that's and and we're getting in to talk about people off the ice versus on the ice. So Steve Downey, uh, he said some things on Twitter recently that were um, inflammatory and controversial think would be would be the words to use um i want to get this out of the way and say that um i think who steve downey was on the ice was pretty despicable um i have defended him in the past that is something that i should not have done and that i would like to apologize for that being said now that we've gotten out of the way like i it started with him talking about 
talking about the Arizona Coyotes and going after Arizona Coyotes GM Dave Tippett. Uh, he, well, he, start, he started by shouting out Max Domi for a punch, but it, it sort of went downhill from there. Clea is smirking and eating raspberries right now. <laughs> I just find it funny because Max Domi is not known for being a particularly violent or rough player, and his father was Ty Domi, who was known <laughs> for being very rough and violent. It's true. So just calling out Max Domi felt like an interesting one. It was, yeah. First shout-out, way Max Domi, haha, what a bunch. Second shout-out is to Dave Tippett and Noel Brown on running a great program down in Arizona. There's a reason they're in last every year. Uh, third, Peterborough Peets are better run than the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, fourth, I've never played on a team where my best player broke his hand in a fight. Haha, <laughs> the game has changed, or Tippett's an idiot. Uh, another classless move. Okay, but also remember Connor McDavid did that too. That's no, I think that's what he was, or that's one of the situations he was referencing. Connor McDavid did do that. Um, and it was just as silly then as it was now. Although I believe he did it, did it not on a person's body, but on the boards. Yeah, he, he tried to punch someone, missed, hit the boards and broke his hand. Uh, Connor McDavid, maybe stick to the goal scoring there, bud. I think he learned that lesson. I think so too. Um, Another classless move done by Tippett. This really put me over the edge last year and made me quit on Arizona. The way they treated Big John Scott. I remember watching Tippett laugh at Big John working his ass off for the team. Classless. John Scott is the best teammate I've seen in a long time. My last game I played for the Coyotes, Dave the man Tippett didn't let me skate for four days, not even a morning skate. Then he randomly wants me in his lineup. Fucking classless. Colin Campbell asked John, or Colin Campbell, God, Colin Campbell asked John Scott if his kids were going to be embarrassed that he's going to the All-Star game. What a joke. John gets mad at Colin and tells him off. Then Arizona trades him. Ha ha, who's the puppet? That's enough for now. Merry Christmas to all. Uh, It wasn't enough. Uh, He proceeded to go off further on the Arizona Coyotes and then started attacking Don Cherry. Um, At which point, things took a slightly different turn. Yeah, Um, pick it up. Um, he tweeted, how do you pronounce Begress? Avalanche player? Begress. Yeah, it's just Begress. Begress of the Avalanche has been stuck in a hotel for three weeks with a concussion. I wish I knew I would have got him the help he needed, but I would have done it three weeks earlier. NHL and concussions equal fucking joke. And then someone tweeted him, speaking of concussions, and it's, um, I believe that it is... The like pens. It's Steve Downey hitting Ben Lovejoy. Yeah. And yeah. Steve Downey leaves his feet and goes straight for Ben Lovejoy's head. Yep. Yeah. And when Downey was with the lightning. Um, I'm having a lot of trouble. This gif is terrible quality. Okay. Um, but Steve Downey later played for the penguins, right? Uh, yeah. Or yes. Later. Played that's for- why we got in lots of arguments about him. <laughs> that's why we got in lots of arguments. about him. Um, anyway, moving on. He said his response was that hit is what happens when you watch Don Cherry Rock'em Sock'em videos from ages five to 18. Nothing good comes from those vids. I just did what I had to, had to do to play. I still think about what I did to Dean McCammond and what I caused him to go through with his family. But again, I did what Don Cherry said to do every Saturday night. Just fucking disgusted when I look back, which I never played. Sorry, John, but you called me a pussy for wearing a visor and trying to protect my eyes. Sad thing is, I listened to you. Oh, I have so many thoughts. Yeah. Um, 
I feel like fundamentally Steve is right. Uh, he shouldn't be blaming Don Cherry though, because he yeah. still did all of That's those how, things. Yeah. And every Canadian player has grown up watching Don Cherry, and not every Canadian player uh, does the things that Steve Downey did. And and like I'm very frustrated that Don Cherry still has a job. He says incredibly racist, xenophobic things all the time. And oh is, God, he's awful. And is obviously a huge proponent of of fighting and dirty hits. And I. We all know that I'm not super into fighting in hockey, but when I say he's a proponent of fighting, I mean, like, the old school, like, break every bone in your hand fighting a person style. I am really glad that someone is speaking up, and I'm really glad that um, Don Cherry is being called out. I don't, I wish that Steve Downey would take responsibility for his own behavior. I mean, he he takes some responsibility. I think, you know, saying that he looks back and he's disgusted and he wishes he would never played, but he should absolutely be taking more. It's not, you can't, you can't blame Don, you can't, you can't blame Don Cherry for what Steve Downey did. However, I do think that Don Cherry is emblematic of a huge part of the problem. That's what I was going to say. Is Don Cherry is indicative of the larger prog- problem. I feel like he's not the only problem, though. No, not not remotely the only problem. He is reflective of a culture that already exists in the NHL. Um, ha- however, to- I'm going to do my regular, like, call them out moment. Because, you know, I always have to talk shit about the people I'm- mm-hmm. who are doing somewhat good things. I'm... The fact that he only talked about McCammond and then the hit on Ben Lovejoy mm-hmm. made me really annoyed because my biggest problem with Downey was actually neither of those things. My biggest problem was what he did to Akeem Aliyu. Aliyu. Yeah. Yeah. This was not when he was in the NHL. It, it, he cross-checked his own teammate in the face because he refused to be hazed. And I think that in a, a very important piece here that is never discussed is the fact that Aliyu is a person of color who didn't learn English until he immigrated to Canada when he was seven, whose family was on welfare after they immigrated and who didn't start skating until he was like at least 10 years old. I think that the idea that the person you're, you're harming is not a piece of the conversation is a problem in hockey. A lot of the time, like I I really don't believe that there was not racism and xenophobia and classism at the core of this like I think that it's probably not just someone not allowing himself to be hazed it's probably someone who you think should like bow down to you at all times being the person who's refusing to be hazed it should be mentioned that the hazing action in question was being shoved into a bus bathroom with several other rookie teammates naked and I think it was heated really high, right? Yeah, I think so, but I'm not sure. It was it was pretty terrible. And, like, the coach got in trouble, but mm-hmm. Danny mm-hmm. didn't. No, which is a problem. Or, I mean, that's not true. Danny was suspended. Um, where I sort of wanted to take this was um, because I think that it's important that we... That that and that that people that aren't just us, right? This is a tiny little podcast. 
right? That people who are not just us, um, and actually the D Steve Dangle podcast covered it on, on their December 27th episode. So that good, good for those guys. I'm sure he's a hockey icon in Canada. Yeah. And when he was faced with the actual tragedies that are occurring, called him a bunch of pukes. John Cherry did. I just, I don't know how you, it's incredibly frustrating for me to, to see this kind of thing happening in the NHL because it, it. Well, to me, I just feel like, why does he still have a job? CBC, mm -hmm. why do you still have Don Cherry on your payroll? Mm -hmm. Like, that's despicable. And I'm going to say something that I know is terrible, but I'm like, thank God you're 82 years old and you can't live that much longer. Yeah. Yep. It's just disgusting. And I know, again, you know, he's he's a microcosm, but um, I'm having my own, like, slightly self-indulgent moment. Uh, this is a little bit more about people of color in the league, mm -hmm. in the NHL. Um, I did not, I did not watch the road to the outdoor classic, I will say right now. Um, but I've been reading, um, Heather wraparound curls reviews of them. Just, there's this one piece that has been coming up that like comes up a lot. And apparently this was just the moment that made me have to comment. Um, which is that there's, so Heather writes, um, this is in her review on the Leafs Nation. Mm -hmm. She writes that the bulk of the episode focused on Austin Matthews, and the narrator noted how Austin is only the third player of Mexican descent to ever play in the NHL. I think this is important to note as well, since a lot of people, myself included, thought Austin was just another white boy in the league. And it is important to remind people his role in the NHL means something and means something and is vital to the next generation. And then there's more about how he grew up playing hockey in Arizona. Um, and I responded saying like what I had to say had nothing to do with her piece and instead was on the content right there, which was that. So every single list I find that lists the, the like Latinx players in the league, when you look at the, the Mexican American players, you see Scott Gomez, Rafi Torres and Austin Matthews. And they all talk about how there's only three, three players of Mexican descent. And I obviously know this because the player I'm about to say is on my team. But Matt Nieto is Mexican-American. And I'm like, perhaps don't whitewash people. That, that seems a little bit racist, League, or like mm -hmm. reporters or whatever. I... It's just, and it's really interesting because he's actually talked quite a bit about being a Latino hockey player and especially being like a Latino from California because um, he grew up in Southern California. Um, so he has like, he's obviously not the caliber that Austin Matthews is, do not get me wrong, um, but he's still a success story from an alternate or like alternative market the way Matthews is. One comes from California, the other comes from Arizona, neither are places that you really associate with ice hockey. Mm -hmm. um, and I still <laughs> think that four players is still terribly low. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, maybe don't whitewash 
let's not do that. That's that's all I wanted to say. Yay, Austin Matthews. But guys, stop forgetting about Matt, Matt Nieto. For realsies. Or just in general. Like, right. there are other players who I think get whitewashed quite a bit, especially, like, like indigenous players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carrie Price. There's a, yeah, there's a thing of, like, if you're light-skinned, there's an assumption that you are white. And that is not actually how race and ethnicity works. That's not. Um, we're moving on to a completely different topic now. We're moving uh, towards finer things. Finer things. And we're starting with a pretty fine thing. Um, guys, I'm going to need you to put on your seatbelts and probably sit down as I'm about to say nice things about a Boston Bruin. And it is not Patrice Bergeron. It's my favorite. Who, who I say nice things about a lot. Uh, Brad Marchand Woo-woo. is doing good things on Twitter. Um, I think about a week ago, uh, somebody on Twitter called Brad Marchand a homophobic slur. And Brad Marchand responded by calling out that, um, that Twitter user and said that he was the type of person that parents are embarrassed are their children. And then when the person deleted the tweet, he screenshotted it. Or before he deleted the tweet, he took a screenshot and posted it again in a tweet, which has now since been deleted, it appears, um, saying that you can't get off that easily. <laughs> this is going to stick around. Um, and I just think that that's really good for Brad Marchand. Um, I'm like, this is allyship. Like, I, I'm very, yeah. very skeptical of the concept of being an ally. Um, uh-huh. But th- this is what you do. You call people out, you don't back down, and you explain to people why what they did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Although he didn't quite do that piece. but <laughs> That's okay. He only had 140 characters. Yeah. Um, now, I will say that he has since deleted the second tweet with the screenshot. Mm-hmm. Which is too bad, because it was really funny. Um, I mean, I think that one of the things that I find particularly impressive about this is that this probably would get him in trouble with the Bruins PR team. Uh, it probably did. Yeah. Like, the NHL is not super into people calling out fans of hockey. <laughs> Nope. And and so like he I mean yes the risk for him is significantly lower than the risk for other people but he he could have been harmed by this we don't know um and he did it anyway and I think that that is very uh impressive it's very admirable well done Brad Marchand don't expect me to say that very often I love you Brad I mean, you're my fave on the Burns. Speaking Show of Brent Burns. Speaking of Brent Burns, let's move on to finer things. Update on Craig Cunningham, the Tucson Roadrunners player, Coyotes, member of, member of their organization, uh, is okay, relatively speaking. After having a heart that didn't beat for two days, thanks to ventricular fibrillation, um, they put him on an artificial lung, made sure that his blood was getting oxygenated, and he began to respond to it, and was, point being, um, congratulations to the Tucson medical team that saved his life. Um, I think this is an incredible story, and I'm really happy for Craig Cunningham and his family. Me too. The other thing, uh, 
P.K. Subban, Carey Price, Connor McDavid, and Sidney Crosby are currently leading the All-Star voting as of this afternoon. Uh, and I think that's great. Everybody keep it up. We were just talking about people of color in the NHL, and we've got two of them on this list. We could use some Americans or Europeans on the list, but that's okay. I'm no expert of in Of course, gifters. I keep voting for Brent Burns as captain of the Pacific <laughs> Division. <laughs> of course. Of course. It's <laughs> Don't fine. mind me. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, so well done, everyone who's been voting. Keep it up. If it stays up, well done, everybody. Today, I almost cried about Paul Martin. It's not that unusual. I feel it's like not, we need to... It's not that, it's not that unusual. It well, is. I mean, there is there is audio recordings of me crying about Paul Martin on earlier episodes of this podcast. So I think it's a pretty well-established fact that I am a big fan of Paul Martin. Um, I, that happened because someone decided to post pictures of him in a toque and a flannel, and it was just slightly emotionally overwhelming for me. <laughs> And my note next to this is, God, when are the sharks coming to town again? I need to be reminded of the good things in life. And that means Polly and Bernsey. I wish you guys could see Clea's face right now. I, I just am like overcome with happiness whenever I hear anything about Brent Burns. So just, no, I understand that. Feeling. No, I'm just telling telling listeners, just imagine female presenting person, smiling face, Hands on cheeks, looking at sky. <laughs> Hearts in eyes. <laughs> yeah. I'm basically the hard eyes emoji. She, she is. With bangs. Uh, it is almost as bad. I have never I have never seen Clea's hard eyes emoji face quite so um, present as when Brent Burns was stick tapping the glass in front of her. Ten times. <laughs> ten. <laughs> it was ten. The number 10. <laughs> and then he dragged Polly by and Polly was blushing and wouldn't look at us. <laughs> that was an overwhelming day for everyone. <laughs> every um, every I, emotion. I will, so beyond trying to get him to be captain of Pacific Division All-Star team, I've also been watching videos over and over and over. One, my favorite of which was a video released pretty recently of Brent Burns in Montreal scaring people who were just trying to get some Pepsi from the soda fountain. It's like, I mean, Emily just watched it before this, uh, which is really a shame because she actually cackled when she saw it. I did. I cackled in the phone for a solid 30 seconds. Yeah. It was just laughing. Um. If you have not seen it, you should really go see it. I'm going to try to figure out a way to link to it in... I mean, we can do it in the description, probably. Yeah. That's or at I'm... the very least, we can do it on the Tumblr description, so... It's true. We'll, we'll send y'all a link. We'll, we'll make this visible to everyone. But, yes, the, the, the soda machine has a video screen instead of just, like, an image of the Pepsi logo. <laughs> And uh, Brent Burns may appear in it. Brent Burns definitely appears in it. Spoiler alert. On that note, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, listening, everyone. You're going to hear a previously recorded exit because I always forget what all of our social media handles are. And this way, <laughs> we don't have to worry about that because we got her to do it perfect once. And we saved it for all eternity. You've been listening to the Two Girls, One Puck podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes at Two Girls One Puck, on Gmail and Tumblr at Two Girls One Puck Podcast, 
and on Twitter at TGOP Podcast. That's T-G-O-P Podcast. Thanks for listening.